Let's continue on in our sermon series. Invisible God and Invisible Hands. Invisible God and Invisible Hands. Esther chapter 8. Today we'll be focusing on our uh, Bible text in, found in Esther chapter 8. And our sermon topic is a wonderful reversal. There are a lot of wonderful and amazing reversals that took place in this world. Whether it's in the field of sports, or the, in the politics, or in businesses. And in fact, if we look at it from uh, initially, it seems like all is lost. The last minute. And at the very last minute, there was, a, there was something wonderful. That was something amazing that took place. That's called come from behind. And this wonderful reversal took place. For those who are interested in basketball, and probably if you're old enough, you'll remember the 1972 uh, basketball games in the, in the Olympics. That was the gold medal game. That was the game between the United States and the Soviet Union. And the United States had a record of 63 straight wins. And they are seven times consecutive winners of the gold medal in the Olympics. So in the minds of everyone, the United States should win. Last three seconds. In the last three seconds, uh, the United States was was up by one, 50 to 49. What? They take the last three seconds. In the last three seconds, we take a long pass. There was a long pass. And that long pass I turned into a long shot and it went into the ring. So the Soviet Union fight, uh, won with the final score 51 to 50. Of course, there are a lot of yet unresolved arguments and controversies to this game. But uh, Russia uh, had a great come from behind win. In our lives, there are a lot of situations uh, similar to this. In the Bible, Imagine in the Bible that we find the story of Joseph who was a prisoner who later became the prime minister of Egypt. Moses. About Moses. Moses was an 80-year-old shepherd who became the leader of the two million strong Jewish people. David. How about David? He was an ordinary shepherd boy. He became the most famous king of Israel. Esther. How about Esther? She was an orphan. An orphan who became the queen of Persia. And all these things are things that we cannot even imagine. But it took place. It happened. God's hands was working in our lives. Today, as we look at Esther chapter 8, here in this whole chapter, it talks about a wonderful reversal uh, in, the, in the whole story, what does it include? 
the reversal of authority. The reversal of decree. And the reversal of status. And all these took place under God's control. So, dear church, please keep in mind this very important thing. In our lives, there is an invisible God who is in charge of our lives. Do not lose your hope. As a child of God, as his disciples, our hope is a living hope. It is a hope that will never die. Because the God whom we believe in is a living God. The first, let's look at the reversal of authority. Look at chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. The same day King Xerxes gave Queen Esther the estate of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, and Mordecai came into the presence of the king. For Esther had told how he was related to her. The king took off his signet ring, which he had reclaimed from Haman, and presented it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed him over Haman's estate. The same day, when the Bible tells us the same day, which day was it referring to? It was the day that Haman was impaled on that 23-meter pole. Haman lost everything. He lost his position. He lost his uh, his treasures. Because his whole estate was confiscated and given to Queen Esther. Haman lost his authority. Because the king withdrew from him the signet ring that he was given to him. In the original text, the word ring um, meant signet ring. It's a ring that signifies authority. Remember when Joseph became prime minister? The very first thing that Pharaoh did was Pharaoh took off his ring and put it uh, on the, upon the hand of uh, uh, Joseph. It signifies and symbolizes him appointing uh, Joseph as the Prime Minister. Esther chapter 3. In Esther chapter 3. The king took off, King Xerxes took off his ring and gave it to Haman. Haman became the Prime Minister of uh, Persia. And during this time, the king gave the ring to Mordecai. And it symbolizes the transference of power uh, to Mordecai, who became the prime minister of Persia. Haman, he did it. That day, the very f- that day, Haman, he lost, he lost everything. He lost his authority. And he lost his life. It was a total change. Because the invisible hand of that invisible God was working behind the scene. In history, this thing truly happened. That very day, it changes the complexion of authority in the whole world. You know what day it was? I'm sure you would uh, know. It's the day that Jesus Christ died on the cross. On the, the day before this, when we sin, we became uh, we become slaves of sin. And we have no freedom in our life. 
only have the liberty to sin, but we don't have the liberty from sin. We don't want to sin, but we continue sinning. But the wages of sin is death. So we are under the bondage of sin and death. And we are living under the control of Satan. Look at 1 John 5, verse 19. Look at 1 John 5, 19. The whole world is under the control of the evil one. This was the day before the crucifixion. But on the day that Christ died on the cross, there was a total turning point in the, uh, the whole history. Because the, uh, the God's Son became man. And for your sins and my sins, He died there on the cross. And he shed his blood. Because the wages of sin is death. Somebody need, needed to die. And Jesus died for us. And he resolved all the problems of our sin. The third day, he rose again from the death. And because of his resurrection, we are now victorious over the bondage of sin. That's why in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, he, Jesus, too, shared in the humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Because of the death of Jesus Christ, he won over and took hold of the power of Satan. This is something that we can never imagine. Now, Satan is not uh, all-knowing. Don't, uh, don't lift up too much the power of Satan. Uh, Satan thought that by, by the betrayal of uh, Judas, through the Pharisees, through the, the power of the masses, through the authority of the Roman Empire, by crucifying Christ on the cross. And he thought he had victory, but he can never imagine. The day that Christ died was a day of defeat of Satan. Satan has never imagined or thought about this. By his death, Jesus claimed victory over Satan. That's why in Revelation 1 verse 18, Jesus said, I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Thank God. Now on the hands of Jesus Christ is a key. That's the key of death and Hades. So dear church, those who truly believe in the Lord, we are no longer afraid of death. As we know, death is under the hands of Jesus Christ. And our lives are precious in His sight. It is not God's will for us to die, then we will never die. But when God's time has come, nobody can save our lives. So may the Lord help us. 
so on, uh, on the hands of Christ, he holds the key of both Hades and death. So think about this. There's this, and our enemy comes with us with a sword. So we will be afraid. So you have no, because you have no idea what the enemy would do with that sword. But when a doctor comes with a scalpel, we are not afraid. Because we know the scalpel that the doctor had on his hand is he used to save lives. So our Lord Jesus Christ, the day that he died on the cross, he solved the problems of our sin and death. From that day on, we are truly free. This world, a lot of people have this mistake and thought that they are truly free. Why? Why? Why submit? I can do whatever I want. Why submit? submit. I can say whatever I want to say. If it makes me happy, then why, who are you to stop me? I'm sorry. But I'm sorry. That kind of living is not free. That's called a, a death uh, or suicide. True freedom can be found inside a boundary. Because if there are no boundaries to freedom, then it's suicide. You want to drink? You want to smoke? Yes. Yes. I can drink, I can smoke. What? I can choose not to drink and I can choose not to smoke. Because I have that freedom. Because I've heard somebody say, they say that I cannot stop drinking. If I don't drink, then I'll die. So that's not freedom. That's suicide. This world, true freedom can only be found in Christ. Jesus said, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Only in truth can we find true freedom. Not only that, the day that Christ died on the cross, something else took place. In Ephesians 4 verse 8, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. So on the day, on the day that Jesus Christ ascended to heaven, he took with him many captives from the enemy, gave many gifts to his people. This is called gift. This is called bonus. Those who believe in the Lord, not only do we gain freedom, we are no longer under the bondage of sin and death. We also have the inheritance from God. On the day that Haman died, he wanted to kill all the Jews. But he failed. On that very day, he lost everything. He lost his, his, uh, all his wealth. He lost his authority. He lost his life. The same. The same way. On the day that Christ died there on the cross, through his death, he overturned 
the power of Satan. And on the day that he ascended, he gained back all the captives of Satan. And he gave it back to us. So after we come to know the Lord, not only do we have abundant life, but we have inheritance and treasures from heaven who, uh, which awaits us. Let me ask you this question. What does this great transfer uh, does this great transformation have something to do with you? Yes. And I hope that your answer is yes. The day that you put your trust in the Lord, you would have overcome sin and death. In the future, the inheritance and treasure that for you awaits in heaven. This is a total transformation. This is a reversal of uh, the change of uh, authority. From this day on, Satan no longer has power and authority over you. Neither does sin and death. On the, uh, from this day on. Your Lord is the Lord Jesus Christ. He would grant you abundant life. May the Lord bless you. That this transformation and reversal of authority will take place in your life. The second, the second reversal that can be found in this chapter is the reversal of decree. Even though Haman was death, but the plan to annihilate the Jews still remains. So December 13 was still the day of reckoning for the people of Israel. Because Persian Empire is very unique. When a king makes a decree or writes a decree, and it has been sealed with the signet ring of the king, nobody can change that decree, including the king. You know, this is good. Chinese are not like that. The, the Chinese is ruled by men, not ruled by law. We want, I can do whatever I want to do. We have no concept of the rule of law. We thank God that there, there's this concept found in, the, found in the Western civilization. The constitution or the law is more important. So when there's a law uh, in the Persian Empire, nobody can change that law. Yes. King Darius in the, in the past, he was the king during uh, king of Persia during the time of Daniel. During that time, because there were people who were jealous of or envious of uh, of Daniel. The king was uh, was urged to make a law in 30 days. You cannot make any petition towards any man or any god. If not, then you will be beheaded. And the king thought oh. that this was a good this, this was a good law. Because he's the authority, he's the main authority. In 30 days. You cannot make any petition to anyone except to me. So he signed that law. And he sealed it with his signature. But he did not thought about that this law was harmful to his uh, to Daniel. This king loved Daniel. 
but he had no other recourse. He couldn't change the law. And the Bible told us that the whole night he couldn't eat nor sleep. Because Daniel was placed in the lion's pit. Early in the morning. So uh, early in the morning. So early in the morning he said, so Daniel, are you still there? Daniel declared that my God had protected me from this lion. That's how much the king loved Daniel. So it, but he couldn't change the law. The same way. What Haman did, the king had already sealed it. It couldn't be changed. So what can you do? Look at chapter 8, verses 3 to 5. So she fell at his feet and wept and pleaded with him to avert the evil plan of Haman the Agagite and the plot that he had devised against the Jews. Then the king extended the golden scepter to Esther, and she rose and stood before him. And she said, If it pleases, if it pleased the king, if, if I have found favor in his sight, if this thing seems right before the king, and then if I am pleasing in his eyes... Let an order be written overruling the dispatches that Haman, son of uh, Hamedatha, the Agagite, devised and wrote to destroy the Jews in all the king's provinces. This was the second thing that Esther uh, pleaded from the king. Can you overrule and overturn this decree that uh, Haman had written. But take note how Esther made her plea. Especially if you look at verse 5. She used four words. And, and these are ifs in English. If the thing seemed right before the king, if I am pleasing in his eye. See by gong, if, 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 if. There were four times that she presented her ifs before the king. You know what does this mean? Uh, this woman, Esther, she was very brave on one, one, one and courageous on one side. But on the other side, she has this very gentle side of her. She's strong and courageous. And she said to the people of Israel, Fast for three days and three nights. Because I will go and see the king. If I die, then I die. That's her courageous part. But when she was pleading with the king to overrule that law, she was not that bold before the king. She did not demand that the king uh, overturned that. Then, then she cannot say before the king, if I die, then I die. Probably the king would say, go ahead and die. She wasn't like that. But she used a very gentle tone. If it pleases the king, if, if, if you find favor in this, if I find favor, if this uh, seems right before the king, if, if, you, uh, if you please, if it pleases you, the king, your brothers, if your wife comes before you and pleads, like this, how can you deny her? If, the wife, if your wife tells you, let's go to Europe. 
It's very expensive. If you don't go with me, then I'll kill myself. Then you probably say, go kill yourself. But try to use another way. You love me? You love me? You love me? You try it. I'm sure he will say yes. This somebody made this statement, not the, me. The women, the wives have three weapons uh, to, to use against her husband. The first is to cry. The second is to stir up trouble. And the third is to hang herself. What does this mean? The first, how? they would cry. So the very first weapon of a woman is to cry, to weep. She would, uh, she would shed her tears well, without ceasing. She deny her this European trip. She would continually cry before you. And she would drown you with her tears. And if that doesn't work, she would steer trouble. She would nag you whole day. And you cannot sleep because she would continually nag you at night. And you would be nagged to death. You'd be nagged to death. And if you refuse to listen, then she'll try to die. She will try to hang herself. Let me tell you, this is not biblical. This is the way of the world. It's a good thing that Esther didn't use this. If she had used this, she would probably have died. Sister, she had this courageous side. She had this gentle side done to fulfill his will. How about the last one? You can, we can see the reversal of status. Look at verses 15 to 17. When Mordecai left the king's presence, he was wearing royal garments of blue and white, a large crown of gold and a purple a robe of fine linen. And the city of Susa held a joyous celebration. For the Jews, it was a time of happiness, joy, gladness, and honor. In every province, in every city to which the edict of the king came, there was, a joy, there was joy and gladness among the Jews with feasting and celebrating. And many people of other nationalities became Jews because of fear of the Jews, and uh, because the fear of Jews had seized them. In these three verses, you could see two different changes. A turnaround of individual status and a national situation. We talk about the individual status. Of course, we are talking about Mordecai. He was wearing a, a cloth of blue. He had this gold crown. A purple linen robe. He became the prime minister of the nation. In verse 3, Haman was lifted. Uh, chapter 3, Haman was lifted up. In chapter 8, Mordecai was the one who was lifted up. You can compare both chapters 3 and 8. You will see two totally different things. In chapter 3, Haman became prime minister. The Bible said, the people of Susa became very worried and very anxious. 
在不久,当哈马当国家改变的派民斯特来西中。when the righteous thrive, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. When we see somebody promoted, and we say, oh no, we're dead. When, when this person became, came into the position, then we are dead. Because we know the days will become harder. On the opposite, we see somebody else being promoted. We become very happy. We thank God for it. Yes, we know. Days will become better. Dear church, if one day, God promotes you. Whether it's in your own business, whether it's in society or on a national level. Let me ask you, the people around you, would they rejoice or would they groan? May the Lord help us. God promotes us. Please remember. We have to be like Mordecai that uh, how he spoke to the queen. That Mordecai said to Queen Esther, maybe for such a time like this that God has placed you there. When you get a very uh, royal position, please remember, you're not doing this, you're not there for yourself. You're there for the people around you. And people will rejoice in But to become uh, selfish and do things for your own self-interest, people will be afraid of you. The second, turn around of a national situation. Look at verse 17. And many people of other nationalities became Jews because, of the, because fear of the Jews had seized them. In chapter 4, when it was made public that on December 12, uh, December 13, all the Jews would be annihilated, people wept and people were, were groaning. I believe, I believe, I'm sure that a lot, a lot of people were, were relieved by saying, it's a good thing I'm not a Jew. I'm sure of it. You know, in the past when you're flying, when you have faced kidnapping, these kidnapping or hijacking situations would be done against the Jewish people. Bring out your passport. Because when they, they find out that you're a Jew, during that time, you'd probably be relieved to know that you're not a Jew. The same, the same way. During the time in chapter 4, those people there were relieved that they were not Jews. There was a reversal in chapter 8. Instead, some, there are people who change their nationalities to become a Jew. They say that, it's, I, I wish I was a Jew. 
Probably you would not have experienced this, but I had. You know, I was born in Hong Kong. When I was born, I had a British passport. Of course, it was not a, a real bona fide uh, British passport, but it was a BNO, a British National Overseas Passport. When I, when I had that passport, I honestly tell you that I am very happy. I was very happy that I was a British national. During that time, I did not want to be Chinese. Because during my time, in the 1960s, China was very, very low in national ranking. There's nothing to eat. There's nothing to drink. It was a very pitiful and very poor country. I'm sure those who are old enough here can remember this. During that time, if you go back to China to visit, when you go, come back home, you'd probably leave everything that you brought there. You'd probably leave the clothes that you're wearing there. You probably will only have one set of clothes as you come back. Because they are very poor. But you see the transformation in China. They are now, they are now the number two country in the whole world. It's in, in, uh, in, with regards to talents, with regards to finances and other things, they, they are not uh, lacking in, uh, uh, with regards to other countries. I now a change. And I find glory in my being Chinese. And my children would laugh at me. China number one. They would laugh at me because I'm, they are calling me China number one. Right now, I have changed my passport into a Chinese passport from Hong Kong. I'm proud of Chinese. I'm proud to be Chinese. I'm not here discussing politics with you. I want you to understand something. When a country is strong and established, those who are nationalities of that country or citizens of the country will find glory in it. If that nation is very weak, we find that it's quite pitiful that we are a nationality of that nation. The United States had only been a, been a nation for 250 plus years. They, they, are, they were a nation that started as a nation that revered God. They established their country based on God's truth. The Lord blessed that nation. So during that time, a lot of people, in fact, a whole world would find glory if they become a United States citizen. How about now? About now. I don't know about you. You find glory in being an American citizen. Probably there are still some who find it That's not glorious. I personally don't. I don't find anything special in becoming a United States citizen. But there's something even more important here that you would always keep in You have a very special status. You're not an American. You're not just a Chinese. You're not just a Filipino citizen. 
Please remember, you are God's citizen. You are a, a, a heavenly, a, a citizen of heaven. You have this very special nationality. You are a child of God. We are part of God's nation. I don't know if you find glory in becoming a child of God. But I hope that you find glory in it. Because God is my heavenly father. Your church. If you if we say that Mordecai represents the believers, and the Jewish nation represents the church, it's my hope that all the all the uh, all the citizens, all the whole all the churches in the world would uh, would be uh, looked at as important by this nation. When people uh, know that you're a Christian, good. they say very good. That Christians are very good. When they hear that you're from this church, oh, church and they will say that church is very good. It's for God's glory. Christ said we are the salt and light of this world. May the Lord bless us. That as we live and exist in this world, we do this for God's glory. The whole chapter 8 is a very special chapter because it talks about this big reversal. This is not a work of man. This is the work of God. So may the Lord help us. Never lose your hope in God. Regardless, regardless of your circumstances, because the Lord will never abandon you. In the moment that we we cannot think of or imagine, probably in the very last minute, God will work. That we can give back all the glory to God. Let's pray. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we thank you that we find glory in becoming, in being your child, Lord. We find glory that we are a citizen of your nation under your rule. We are governed by you. We are led by you. We are being taken care by you, Lord, that you love us. You sent your son for us, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to be part of this, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for moments that we lose hope. Forgive us, Lord, for times that we think we know better. Because we don't, Lord. You know the best. You know what's in the future. And even though we don't seem to know what will happen next, Lord, but we believe that you are working in our lives. You are working in each one of our lives, Lord. And you're doing a great transformation and great reversal that will happen in our lives, Lord. Help us to continue to put our hope in you because our hope is a living hope. Uh, and that living hope is based on our living God, Lord. We thank you and we give back all the glory and honor to you. This is our prayer with thanksgiving in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.